Hello, thanks for tuning in again to Herbal Wisdom. I'm Chris, Certified Clinical Herbalist, and today I wanted to talk to you a bit about why herbal medicine is really starting to make a comeback. Um, as so many people are dealing with chronic health issues and they're finding it difficult to get the answers that they need from the medical system. Some questions I get asked all the time are, do herbs really work? How do they work? And how do you know what they really do? So today I wanted to talk a bit about how herbal medicine was used traditionally and how it applies to us today and where we need to go with it. So before I really get started, I just want to let you all know that the following information is for educational informational purposes only. It is not to take the place of uh, guidance from your medical practitioner uh, and that none of this is... Uh, intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent a disease. So now that I've taken care of that little required disclaimer, let's get digging into this. So centuries ago, all medicine was herbal medicine. That's all that they had, most specifically um, in the form of herbal teas. That was the original form of medicine. Traditional people, tribes, societies would use the plants or what we call herbs that were local to their particular region as medicine for every situation that came up, uh, whether it was um, for food, for medicine, for spiritual ceremony. Uh, they used herbs for emotional healing, for storytelling, and as a way to unite their communities. These traditional people had this incredible, innate understanding of the power of the plants that were around them. This knowing, this, this understanding that was a part of who they were, it was this sense of connection with the earth, with God, with their ancestors. Each community had healers. Maybe it was a medicine man or a medicine woman. Sometimes you'll hear the term wise woman. This was what they called the medicine women in their villages. Um, and these people were spiritually called to take charge of the plant wisdom for their community and to pass that on to future generations. So long ago, there, there weren't any books to tell them how to use the plants. So they had to rely on their intuition, their visual study of everything around them, and the guidance of their ancestors. The healers of these communities would take great care to observe the plants around them. Where did they like to grow? What animals fed on them? What did their color, smell, shapes, and taste tell them about the plants? What weather did they thrive in or not? How did the plant defend itself? You see, they had this vibrational connection with the intelligence of the plants, and there was a deep respect for the partnership that the plants and the people had together. This connection was the plants, uh, or I'm sorry, this connection with plants um, really kind of gives us an explanation for how communities in different parts of the world seem to know how to use the same plant for the same kinds of conditions without a chance to read about it because they didn't have books yet on any of this. It's fascinating how they just innately knew, for instance, that dandelion would cleanse the body of toxins that built up over the winter. Dandelion is considered a spring tonic, um, and it would clear the kidneys and the liver for the spring and strengthen the body for the spring. And this would happen in communities everywhere. 
this relationship, um, this knowing is something that we've really lost in our culture today. It's a very rare thing that any of us go sit in nature and listen to plants. Heck, we don't have time to listen to much of anything these days. Everything's so busy. I know the first time my herbalism teacher told me to listen to plants, she would say, let them talk to you. You talk to them. Form a relationship with them. I thought, this woman is nuts. Plants can't talk, and I certainly can't talk, talk back to them. You know, my logical brain had no concept of what she was telling me. I remember going on one of our first field trips in my herbalism program, and we went to the Superstition Mountains in Arizona with an herbalist named Mimi Camp, who is incredible, and she was teaching us about flower essences. That's really her specialty. After she showed us a few plants and talked about what a flower essence is, she sent each of us off into the desert to make our own flower essence. And she said, walk until a plant calls out to you and then stop and sit with the plant. I thought, well, that's it. I'm walking for weeks. How in the heck was a plant going to call to me? And I just knew everybody was going to leave and go home, and I was going to still be stuck out in the desert. Well, I walked for a while and um, just kind of was looking around when I saw this perfect circle of a particular plant. I had no idea what it was because it was brand new to all this. But it was a perfect circle. So I thought, well, I could go sit in that circle. And this particular plant had these um, really pretty gray-green leaves, um, very different than the other plants around it, and these incredible yellow flowers that shot up above the plant and seemed to kind of hover there. So um, you almost couldn't see their stems from a distance. It was really interesting. So I decided it was a good place to sit, and so I did, and I pulled out my notebook. So our assignment was to listen to the plant, to let it tell us what it had to offer. I didn't know how that was going to work, so I decided to just start writing down everything that I thought, felt, smelled, heard, and saw while I sat there. I don't know how long I was there, but I remember thinking it had to be a long time, and I just knew the rest of my group was gone. So I decided to start walking back, and I was certain that everyone else had plants talk to them, and I was deaf. I was never going to get this intuition thing that everybody else had. So when it was my turn to sit down and talk about the plant that I sat with, I described it to Mimi because I didn't know its name, and I told her all the things that I had written down. It was words like grounding, rising to the sun, comfort, quiet, strength, resilience. My instructor smiled, and she told me that I had sat with brittle bush. She told me that a flower essence of brittle bush would give me all the qualities that I had written down. I was so relieved. Maybe, just maybe, I had actually heard its voice. Maybe I had actually listened and heard its words. And maybe, just maybe, I could develop a friendship with this plant. It was humbling. It was incredible. And it's funny because today, Brittle Bush remains one of those plants that I love to see blooming in the desert in the spring. It brings like this joy and this lightness to my heart um, because it reminds me 
to reach for the sun. And it reminds me to open my heart to the joy around me. Brittle bush reminds me that it will keep me firmly planted as I reach for my dreams. It will ground me in the same way that the flowers reach for the sky while the plant stays firmly rooted. In my book studies of the plant, I also know I can use the leaves of brittle bush for sore muscles or burns by making a liniment or a poultice. I can make a tea from the flowers that will help ease some seasonal allergies or chest congestion. So there's this pairing of chemically what this plant can do when we use its different parts and emotionally, spiritually, what this plant can do when we tap into its energetic vibration. Hawthorn berries, another herb that uh, we can learn a lot about when we tune into it. Um, many of us know that hawthorn berry is nutritive for the cardiovascular system. Uh, it supports normal, healthy blood pressure and can strengthen the integrity of the blood vessels. Uh, recently, I had the opportunity to sit with hawthorn and I asked it to show me more. I really wanted to know who is hawthorn berry for? What kind of person is hawthorn berry for? And it was so incredible because I got this very strong sense that Hawthorne is for those who are deeply emotionally wounded, who have gone through something that really has just broken their heart and that they're having a difficult time letting go of and honoring that grief and moving through it. See, there is this interesting phenomenon. If you look at someone who has suffered with uh, any kind of cardiovascular disease, there is a belief that before physically the heart has broken, there was always an emotional heartbreak first. Um, and they were not able to heal the emotional wound of that and so eventually the physical heart begins to break. So if you're listening to this and you're dealing with some cardiovascular issues, I want you to just kind of take some time when you have a chance to sit by yourself and think about that. And does that ring true in your life? Is there an emotional heartbreak that you haven't fully been able to deal with yet? And um, when we can acknowledge that, we see that uh, these plants really have an incredible way of supporting those areas of our life where we can really get to the root causes of why these physical issues come up. As I sit with herbs more often, I'm reminded that they're more than their chemical properties. Our medicinal herbs are intelligent, energetic beings that partner with us on a spiritual level. When I work with a client, I access the energetic profile of the plants and allow them to choose the person and for the person to choose them. And it's in this pairing of person and herb where we find this beautiful relationship and deep healing on all levels, physical, spiritual, and emotional. As a clinical herbalist, I have to take into account who my client is, how they show up in this world, how they react to the situations around them. What symptoms are present that might signal an imbalance in a particular body system? And where did that come from? Where did that begin? 
I then begin to introduce this person to herbs that support and complement their unique personality, their constitution, their energetics, and I allow their body to tell me which herbs are best for them and which ones they might not be ready for yet. So um, I told you all of that really to give you an understanding of how herbal medicine is so different than contemporary medicine and, and why it still works all these thousands of years later. See, chemically, plants are super complex and intelligent beings. Each plant contains hundreds or even thousands of phytochemicals. Some of these are active ingredients that herbalists and scientists have studied and, and know to be responsible for their medicinal action, like, uh, you know, glycerizic acid in licorice root, you know, um, or silymarin in milk thistle. You know, these are the active ingredients that we really know exactly what they do. Um, but many of the phytochemicals in these plants haven't even been named, and we haven't even begun to determine what their exact function is. What we do know is that many of these chemicals are probably responsible for a synergistic or even a buffering effect when we use plant medicine. And so this is why we have very little to no side effects with herbal medicine, yet we have so many side effects with pharmaceutical drugs. I mean, think about the latest drug commercial you saw on TV. It's like two-thirds of the commercial is listing the potential side effects that may include but are not limited to bloody diarrhea, seizures, or death. Oh, yeah, and my favorite was this weight loss drug that was pretty popular several years ago, and the main side effect was anal leakage. Are you serious? You'll leak from your butt, but you'll look fabulous? Give me a break. Anyway, most of our pharmaceutical drugs were originally derived from plants. You know, that's, that was the original medicine, and then they decided, well, we can take what we know from this plant, and we can patent it, and we can make it profitable. And uh, so they created synthetic forms of drugs um, from the plants in nature. You know, you can't patent nature, and so therefore there's really no profit in it. So that's why they do that. Um, now when they create these drugs, they're very simple structures. There's one active chemical ingredient, maybe some dyes, some fillers, some binders, etc. But there's nothing in it that buffers uh, reactions, side effects from the synthetic chemical. Beginning to understand the energetic relationship we have with herbs really illustrates the importance of working with an herbalist when choosing herbal remedies for yourself. You can be looking at a variety of herbs for anxiety, for instance, uh, like passionflower, California poppy, valerian, there's so many. Um, but even though they're all beneficial, there might really only be one or two that are just right for you. Uh, that resonate with your body better than the others will, that support who you are and how you show up in the world, and that provide emotional and spiritual connection and not simply a chemical connection. Gosh, I love this stuff. <laughs> I get all geeked out. Uh, but anyway, I hope that you found this podcast helpful in beginning to understand how herbs have uniquely been created to support our health and well-being in a way that medicine never can. Now, not to say medicine doesn't have its place, because it absolutely does. Um, but I hope that this has sparked something inside of you that leads you to further explore the world of herbal and natural medicine for yourself. If it has, I would love for you to visit my website, which is prescottnaturalhealth.com, and take a look at some of the classes I offer where you can further your knowledge or even begin um, to learn about herbal medicine if you're new to all of this.
So thanks again for tuning in today and um, letting me ramble on a bit. And until next time, stay herbalicious, my friends, and I will catch you later. Thank you. Bye-bye.